Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. Uh, my name is Vince. As always, I'm here with Brian and Zach. How are you guys doing today? Oh, doing pretty well. I'm not feeling so hot, guys. <laughs> is this another one of your bits, Brian? No, no. I've been like, my, my skin's all clammy and I... I uh, I've been I've been having the sweats a little bit and sleep well last night. I've uh eat too much cheese? No, no. I, I I've got a pretty serious case of suicide squad fever. <laughs> just just can't wait, guys. That's twisted. <laughs> Would you say I'm damaged for feeling that way? I I I if I if I were to look at you, Brian, I would say you have damage written right on your forehead. <laughs> we are just mere days from Suicide Squad, guys. Is anybody we... gonna go see it tomorrow? I'm going on Tuesday. Mm. My uh... God, I could go tomorrow. I have the day off. Yeah. I would. I wouldn't have to force my wife to see it. My wife. Um, <laughs> I uh, I, ha- I have my superhero movie buddy that we go to all these movies together, and he can't go till Tuesday. So that's what we're doing. So you're spared a few more days. Yeah, I, I mean the reviews are already in, and the the tepid enthusiasm I had is pretty much all gone. So, a few days isn't too much. Well, have you been reading any of the like conjecture and and insider info about that? That there were two different cuts of the film, and they went with the one that they felt was more of a a response to the Batman versus Superman criticisms, right? Isn't that what they're well, saying? The one I read almost made it sound like they had the two cuts and then they kind of like mixed them together to make like this weird compromise movie. Mm-hmm. And that's why the there are so is, many complaints yeah. about, yeah, about just like a, a really, you know, disjointed tone. It's almost as if, uh, you know, Marvel and DC movies are, are like soulless commodities <laughs> rather than... <laughs> passion projects yeah who would have thought yeah um but we do have lots of comics to talk about this week were, were there hang on there were nine rebirth books this week guys <laughs> oh really quick before we get into rebirth sure i was about this i thought i'd plug it um the first episode of the batman telltale game came out yesterday oh, how was it um it was really well it was pretty good i liked it I don't usually like enjoy the Telltale games that much. Like I've tried The Walking Dead and uh, Game of Thrones and didn't really get into it. Um, but I got this one just because I thought it'd be fun to try it out, and I played it for about thirty minutes and it froze up on me, so I quit. <laughs> That's Telltale. Baby. I know, right? I know. But then I sat down with it again today and beat it in one sitting. So um, it was pretty enjoyable. They do some pretty interesting things. Um, it's kind of like the opposite of like Gotham, wherein you have like young Bruce and all of the villains coming out of the woodwork. And this, you know, you have like an established Batman and a lot of the villain characters before they kind of take on their, you know, like villainous personas. So you have your Oswald Cobblepots, not your penguins. Right, yeah. Okay. And they're, and they're, and Harvey Dent, but they're all kind of in different, um, 
they're all slightly different than I, than I feel like we're usually seeing them. Like in this, um, like Oswald is like a childhood friend of Bruce and Harvey's running for mayor. So like small changes like that. Um, but yeah, there's some cool things, a lot of some cool like detective work things and um, a little bit of like strategy, like planning and things. So pretty good use of the property. I'm, I'm looking forward to the next episode. Nice. So I thought I'd just plug that. Yeah. Since it's, you know, the the good Batman things in our lives are few and far between yeah. these days. <laughs> yeah. The good Batman. Uh, speaking of cool things, did you guys hear the uh, Justice League action news today? No, I didn't. So, I didn't hear the news, but I am so looking forward to that. Well, I'm going to say something that's going to it's going to give you a double boner over oh, it. Boy. Uh 150 DC characters on the show. Oh, I did oh. see that. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did see that. Uh yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped. I can't wait. That's really the best uh you know, the cartoons are really the, the the purest form of these characters, I think. You know? Especially now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Especially now, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited especially for since, it. Since, like, I would say since since the new millennium, you know, or maybe even going far as far back as uh, Batman the animated series. Yeah, there's. We really need to, to do yeah. like a deep dive into that one day. Yes, mm-hmm. we do. Yeah. Um, but that day is not today. Today is the day we talk about Suicide Squad Rebirth number one. Do we have to? We do. Written by Rob Williams, illustrated by Philip Tan, featuring Barack Obama and a swollen Amanda Waller, because oh we see her later goodness. this week, 120 pounds lighter. Uh, what did you guys think of this? You know, you 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 very cynically introduced it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was that. I don't think it was that bad. It's the exact same Suicide Squad book we've gotten ten times over now. It's yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. And not not only that, but it's also the Suicide Squad movie, basically. Yes. Like what you know, anything in this book, plot wise, you learned from Suicide Squad trailer. You know. Um. There wasn't enough seventies rock in this book, though. Yeah. Um. I just think, you know, this is another instance which this happens entirely too much in comics these days. It's another instance where you just you look at the writer and you go, "Okay, I trust you. You have to get through these like first couple issues where it's going to be this really um paint by numbers establishing thing, yeah. you know, and see where they go from there." But the longer big two comics go on, like the more and more tiresome that is. We know who all these characters are. We know what Task Force X is. You know? Yeah, we'll we'll get we'll get into that a little bit in a second. My big takeaway from this issue besides just oh my god, I just read this six months ago when Tim Seeley took over the book and I read this the first issue of New Suicide Squad and I read this when um Adam Glass was writing. Yeah, it. And, and who took it over for two minutes and it was really good? With Alex uh, Scott. Alex yeah. Scott, yeah, yeah. You know, like, uh, I just, I, I've read this story so many times. But aside from that, it's just that, like, this is a concept that when it originally, when it, when it originally debuted, it was such a fresh 
unusual concept. And they really put it to bed for a long time. It wasn't something that was out there every year. And so if done well with different characters, I think Suicide Squad is still a really compelling idea. But, I mean, I don't care about Deadshot, Katana, Killer Croc, Harley Quinn, Captain Boomerang. Like, and those are characters that I think could be really good characters in supporting others in a different book. But in their own book, I just, I am so sick of these characters. Yeah. Well, what's your, what would be your ideal Suicide Squad then? Because you just like X'd out a lot of the, the modern. I just feel like, okay, so there's something about, like, if you're going to call a book, if the word Titans is in a book. There has to be a speedster. There has to be a, a Robin in there somewhere, right? That's just like there are certain things that are built into that. With Suicide Squad, I, I guess maybe you have to have Deadshot and maybe Boomerang. But it, but everybody else, I think, is relatively fungible. You know, I think that Harley Quinn has become sort of an avatar for Suicide Squad. But until the New 52, that wasn't a thing, mm-hmm. you know? So, um it is really funny how that kind of is now. It's almost it's kind of like um like Spider-Man and Wolverine in the X-Men. I mean like in the, the Avengers, like yeah. The, yeah, Avengers, yeah, yeah. It's like or Luke Cage. You, it's hard to imagine a time when they all, weren't always there. Right. You know. Yeah, I mean it, it fits really well, doesn't it? I mean, I think I think that's actually one of the more interesting things that they've done with her character since moving her sort of beyond being uh, daddy's little monster. They've moved her beyond that? Well, they're trying to. We'll talk about com- that a little bit, too. They're well, trying it- to in the comics. Now she's they're trying to in the comics? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Oh, we'll get to that in a bit. No, no, here's, here's the thing. Are they doing a very good job of it? No, because they keep cycling back to that. But her character's not in that place anymore. You know what I'm okay, saying? Okay, that's fair. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. I I see yeah, that like, point. Like, yeah, before anyone gets mad at me for, like, underplaying that aspect of things, I'm just saying, very literally, that's not what her character is doing anymore. No, she, she, is, she is no longer appearing as the Joker's shadow. Yes. Okay, fair enough. Now, now, they do keep cycling back to that in a way that, again, like, we are so familiar with and we are so past that, that you're right. You're right. I mean, they're doing that. That, that does her a disservice. Yeah. All I'm saying is I think the idea of her on a Suicide Squad team basically permanently is a totally valid one. And I think it's one of the, you know, better options you have with that character. See, to me, I guess I want characters that seem more dangerous than she is. Oh, you mean like Joker's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean like Joker's daughter. No, I just feel like the character's been so sanitized that she doesn't she doesn't read me as really dangerous anymore. Yeah, it is weird how there are basically like two Harley Quinns that are running around. Yeah. In the comics right now. Yeah. Um Yeah. I know we'll what you're talk, we'll talk about that later too. Yeah. Philip Tan, when we had him on the show last week, said that he would like to add Black Adam to the Suicide Squad. Oh, which That'd is like, great. Which is such a cool idea, except you could never kill him. Like you would, you would try and put a bomb mm-hmm. in him, and he would just, you know, destroy you. Well, I'd love to see the 
thing they came up with to explain, you know. Yeah. But that, I mean, I, I would really, I think that's a great character for it. Sure. Especially yeah. he has he has that righteous indignation that would make it even better, you know. Well, the thing that I would like to suggest is, remember when Gail Simone did the, the very first run of Secret Six? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, that was essentially, Suicide Squad was not running at the time, right? Right, right. That was essentially the replacement Suicide Squad yeah. book. And that had tons of different characters that are really interesting because they were so under- underutilized, right. you know? I hope Suicide Squad gets to mix a little bit more of that in, you know? I, I think you're right. I think we're always going to get Boomerang, and I think we're always going to get uh, Deadshot and, and Harley now. But, you know, if the rest of that roster can be a little bit more interesting... Um, didn't didn't well, just before Celia took it over, the reverse Flash was on there... And who else? Oh man, that was so. That was I don't even remember. Yeah, it wasn't very good, but the team was was different. Was it a uh, well like, parasite? Maybe, maybe. Well, I'm looking at like the cover to New Suicide Squad number one, mm-hmm. and they had an interesting team. Like, there's the aforementioned Joker's daughter, whatever. <laughs> but then they also added in like Deathstroke and Black Manta. Yeah. But then, yeah, I know later on, and I think it was a new Suicide Squad, like maybe, you know, halfway between, or just like a few issues in. Yeah, I, I know Reverse Flash was added, and I'm trying to find. I feel like there was a, there was another there was a physically imposing one, whether it was Parasite or Clayface or someone of that ilk. I I think you're right about um about Parasite. That sounds familiar. But yeah, I mean, it does like Suicide Squad could be like a cool book that highlights, you know, the villains in the DCU. But I think the biggest problem with like new, with Suicide Squad since the New Fifty Two, and I'm glad that Vince brought up Secret Six because like I do agree that that was pretty much the like Suicide Squad villain for the time. Oh yeah, and um. You know, it. I only read a little bit of it, so I'm I maybe not like the best person to like speak about it. But my understanding is that it had a pretty uh, like a tone that wasn't just like total grim dark all the time. Yeah. Um, like it was, you know, it dealt with like tough issues, but like real relatable people. Like it was just easy, to, like for people to get behind. Yeah, I don't see how like anyone can relate to the suicide squad of today it's like just you know just people with damage tattooed to their forehead yeah like that's every single character yeah. you know so so here is the team by the way that we were talking about the interim team there it was black manta deadshot harley quinn captain boomerang reverse flash parasite and cheetah mm. okay that's actually a pretty interesting lineup yeah um but Although, yeah. how do you how do you put a bomb in reverse flash? Can you just vibrate? Get it I out don't of know. There? From and, and from from what people are saying, the uh, the new Suicide Squad, it, you know, the one not the book new Suicide Squad, the Rebirth team. This be, one, yeah, will be Harley, Deadshot, Katana, Enchantress, Boomerang, Killer Croc, Slipknot, and El Diablo. So yeah, the movie the, team, the movie exactly. Team. Yeah. Although, how great would it be if Slipknot was the band Slipknot? 
like worked worked into the worked yeah the whole bad online of them worked into dc continuity (laughs) and all they do is because think about it like what's more perfect for this era of suicide squad than a slipknot soundtrack so like their whole purpose in the team is just to play their shitty brand of metal you're really making me want to like throw up a little bit (laughs) yeah that that sounds great Uh, so I thought Philip Tan's art was very Philip Tan. You know, if you like his style, I think this is a really solid issue from him. If you're not a fan of his style, I could see this not being your cup of tea. What did you guys think of the art? Yeah, he's someone whose style has kind of like evolved a little bit over the years. Like, I think Mm -hmm. when I first was introduced to him, he... His style, I like. I think the first thing I remember reading from him was that Final Crisis tie-in, mm-hmm. the Greg Rucka one, mm-hmm. which I thought was like yeah. maybe not my favorite thing, but really unique in its in its way. This kind of felt to me like um, he was kind of playing to like Jim Lee a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Again, I asked him that last week. I said, you know, as you're a co-artist on a book, do you ever th- consider that is that part of your mindset or do you just draw your pages and to hell with it he says no he's trying to think he's trying to create a book that will work well with jim's art as well yeah and i I can definitely see that and you know i on one hand i appreciate that because it helps like ease like the visual continuity of these like double shipping books i appreciate when artists do that like we kind of talked about that with juan ferreira and um otto schmidt Uh on green arrow um but on the other hand, I you know it kind of bothers me a little bit because it puts limits and restraints on the artist. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I, well, I think you know Philip Tan is kind of a chameleon of sorts because um, if you think back, like, did you did you guys read his uh, Savage Hawkman stuff? Yeah. Um, I mean, I vaguely remember it. Yeah. yeah. So, no, I, apologies to Philip Tan in advance, but that was the, the ugliest art like I've ever seen, you know. And there have been other times where I think Philip Tan is great, you know. Um, I was not as down on his the stuff that he did with Morrison as most people. What did he do with Morrison? Oh, yeah, memory. he did Batman and Robin. That's Batman right. and Robin 4 through 6. He really oh, did yeah. That. He did the Agent Orange arc on Green Lantern. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And and like I like that stuff. Yeah. And I actually liked the art in this issue for the most part. There was some wonky stuff, um, like when they first when they first get to uh, Rick Flag's cell. Uh-huh. He kind of looks like like I I just think he kind of looks funny in the in the dark. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. Like, he looks like he just woke up from, like, a thousand-year nap. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think his aping of Jim Lee, like, that's that's a style that I, I like seeing Philip Tan do, you know? If I know that I'm going to read a book that, that's going to be Jim Lee all the way, you know, um, if he tries to do that, I think it works. Um, if, if you're, you know, if you're self-aware about it. Yeah. This is one of those things where I, I just feel like DC is has positioned Suicide Squad to be a big deal. 
and they've timed this so that the Rebirth issue drops today and the film comes out tomorrow. And my fear is that when the film... The film is going to make a lot of money, but it's going to be... I mean, you know, it's it's already it, it's, yeah. been critically destroyed. You know, so much so that some DC fans believe that Rotten Tomatoes should be shut down. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's the greatest conspiracy theory of all time, guys. <laughs> this is Illuminati. This makes Trump stuff look like nothing. Um, but, you know, it's... People are... You know, so I'm afraid that DC is going to drop the ball on this property because of the failure of the movie. Um, but I, I think Rob Williams is one of the best writers they have in their stable, and he said that issue number two is a really is a real like game changing issue for the book, and I hope the people pick up the book regardless of the film, if it's going to be good. If it's not going to be good then maybe killing it off and giving it a couple of years to rest isn't the worst thing in the world. But I'm rooting for the creators on this book. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I mean, like, you know, when they announced this team, I got kind of excited because, like, with the movie coming, I thought, you know, I could see this becoming, like, a a core a core franchise that DC could, like, really build up and it could be a big thing. Um, but yeah, it's just looking less and less likely that that's going to happen, but who knows? Maybe, you know, again, like we broken record, but like this felt like it is, you know, probably written several months into rebirth, you know, probably after the first issue, um, the fact that it didn't lead out with Jim Lee, the fact that Jim Lee is like leading out on the the real number one, um, all like yeah. twelve pages he's doing in it. I yeah yeah, but but still you know like it it kind of like lessens the impact of this issue a little bit, and yeah. I'm left like you know thinking well let's see what the number one is like. Yeah. So on our patented pull pirate and pulp scale. I am probably going to say pirate because of Rob Williams, but if I'm just talking the pure quality of the issue slash my current enjoyment of the Suicide Squad concept, I, I'm leaning towards pulp. But I'm going to pull it for—I mean, I'm going to pirate it for Rob Williams and Phil Tan. Yeah, just based on this issue alone, I would pulp it. Yeah, I'm going to—I'm going to pirate it, but. Yeah, this issue this issue didn't do anything for me. Um, it, it was fine for somebody who has no idea what Suicide Squad is. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, I got a question for you guys before we move on, though, real quick. Sure, sure. They there was an article that came out, or it was an interview with with them, where they said there's going to be an unexpected member of Suicide Squad. Yep, number two, you're going to see that person. Yeah, and do and we that, know? Do we know who that is yet? No. Uh, William oh. said to me that it's a uh, it's a villain no one would expect. Let's all make a guess. Well, I know. I know who you think it is. You tweeted this. Well, if you think it's a villain, that if if he said it's a villain, then I have to change my guess. I don't remember if he said a villain. I think he said. I think he said. You might have just said a character, because you think it's Batman. Fine, I'm gonna say Batman. Batman's in everything now. He's gonna be in oh, everything. I know who I think it is. Who do you think it is? <laughs> I think it's the comedian. 
Oh. <laughs> oh man, that's a good guess. Goddamn. Fuck, that's a good guess. <laughs> I don't. I don't totally think that, but I. But you have I was to. getting such. I was getting such it. Dr. Manhattan vibes from that meta bomb, like the imagery in the issue. Oh. Uh... Zach, Zach is gonna be right again. Yeah. Scrub, scrub the part where he tried to like soften the the, the gas. I want him to go full. <laughs> yeah. It's it's the fucking comedian. All right, and and I'm gonna go just because I want to see a member of the Superman family in the book. I'm gonna go, Mister Mrs. Pitalik. <laughs> oh, that would be, be wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. The sad thing is it's going to be Black Manta. We're all going to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's finding Nemo right now, so he can't be doing that. That's um, right. Yep. Yeah. All right, that brings us to Harley Quinn number one, written by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti, illustrated by Chad Harden. And uh, I have a confession to make, guys. I already know what you're going to say. I didn't finish Don't... reading it. What? <laughs> yeah. I put yeah. it down. It, I can't. It's... I can't very, take it. Very, very verbose. I can't take it, guys. I can't do this. I cannot do their version of Harley Quinn anymore. I know people like it. I know people who are smarter than me and better uh, have better taste than me love this book. I cannot take it. I hate this character. I hate it. I, oh, it's the I, only Rebirth book I haven't finished. I tried I, four times to pick it up today. Couldn't I do it. don't hate the character. In fact, I, I like the idea of like a fun goofy harley quinn but man it's just like so many words and so many characters and so much just like so many jokes so much stuff a lot of shtick yeah, yeah. no like no story <laughs> to speak of at all it's That's just... like, i i got i got to a certain point and i uh first of all you know there's 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 no real logic to any of this and I don't need to hear her fucking origin one more time, and we got that again. And then she, and then she's introducing all this, this cast of of who the fucks that I don't care about. And I just like, why am I reading this? It's so the gang of Harleys, Brian. Yeah, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. I I can't I can't do it. Harley and the the Mercs for money. Yeah, exactly. And we get you know her, <laughs> we get her talking about butt massages, and. I her oh, and you're telling me you don't want that. I mean, I want a butt massage from me. I don't, I don't want to hear about her, her I butt do. massages. Um, you know, <laughs> doubling down. Yeah. Uh, and, count me in. And then uh, <laughs> you get uh you get like her and uh, and Poison Ivy and Power Girl topless in a hot tub together. Like it just feels weird and. And forced, and you know, and then Starfire is there, and it's just like every character. Hey, Pamia Starfire, I miss that. Isn't she the one with the green lips? Don't don't they get the Manny Petty together? No, that was Poison Ivy. That's still Poison Ivy. Yeah, Poison Ivy has green lips, but an orange skin. The better to kiss you with. <laughs> but, I mean, it just it's just this book just feels like it feels like Connor and Palmiati have like a free reign to. To just include all their favorite characters into a book that makes no sense. Well, I think I think that the oh, go ahead, Zach. Well, I was gonna say like I think the the Harley Quinn and 
Poison Ivy thing is like pretty well established through like Gotham City Sirens and right, all of Power that. Power Girl? Well, Power Girl, that's just yeah, that's uh Palmiotti and and Amanda Connor. Remember, remember when they groups? wrote a six issue miniseries that took place in between two panels about yeah. those two? Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm just, you know, like scratching my head, like, is this where where's Power I thought Power Girl was on Earth two doing she's in she's in yeah she's in earth too where's she coming i oh and look i I think all three of us are the type of guys who care less about continuity when it's fun Uh uh-huh yeah but to me this is forced fun i agree this is like camp counselor telling you this game is going to be fun but it's not fun at all i i totally agree with you on that and that's my biggest problem with it because like it should be fun like everything about this book i think should be fun um i really like the art i think chad harden does like a really good job and like just those amanda connor covers and just that it, no that's not amanda connor on this one yeah it is yeah it is it just looks a little different um and just like i really like this take on harley quinn i really do but i just don't like all of the like extra stuff that comes with it you know uh-huh. So, yeah, I totally get that. I'm going to have a slightly, slightly dissenting opinion from you guys because... Because Boner City, look at them titties. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your words, not mine. Just no. kidding, just kidding. Um, um, no, I'm, I'm with Zach where, like, I, I really like this take on this character and my opinion of it is I'm going to treat this the same way I treated her last book. I'm going to read it for like three or four or five months or something, or maybe the first arc or whatever. I'm going to enjoy it, and then I'm going to hit a point where I'm going to say, too much, that's like eating, you know, five tubs of cotton candy. You know, like, mm. like I'm going to hit a point where I do, where I feel like you, Brian. You know, or I feel like you, Zach, where it's like, okay, I've had enough of the gang of Harleys. Everybody's got to gotta pitch their little quip in, you know, and then she's going to make a joke about wieners or whatever. Um, I'll, I'll hit the wall somewhere. But I, I always give these books a chance, and I always enjoy them. It's the same with Deadpool over at Marvel. I mean, she really is um, the Deadpool character, wherein... I check in with him every once in a while and I really enjoy it for like a handful of issues. And then I go, okay, that's too much. He's, he's abrasive. You know, I got my fill and and that's how I feel about this. And I think the art's great. Just like Zach said, um, I actually get a kick out of red tool. (laughs) Yeah, I do too. I love how his like word balloons are shaped like saws and hammers and things like that. It's just like so fun and quirky and, yeah. Like, I picture him being played by a young Tim Allen in, oh. you know, just going, oh, oh you know, <laughs> just as part of my own personal canon, I, I like to do that. And so, so really? I, like, I, <laughs> hold on. Everybody do your best Tim Allen grunt. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's good. That was fantastic, Zach. Oh, boy. Anyways. (laughs) Now I'm just going to sit here and mute my mic and practice for a little bit. Sorry. 
anyway. So yep. we launch the Home Improvement Cast in a few months. Where you'll be ready to go. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um. So so if we're saying uh uh, pull pirate or pulp, am I gonna pull it? I don't think so, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um. Uh, I'm 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 at a pirating for three to four months and then i'll then i'll pulp it i'm pulping this man i want to like this book so badly but <laughs> like i know i won't read the next issue because <laughs> i'll look at the cover and i'll say man that's a really pretty cover uh and then i'll and then that's it that's that's as far <laughs> as it'll go because yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, I'm basically like Vince, I'm on the same lines as Vince, but I have a lower tolerance, wherein You're I can like... for one issue. Yeah, I'm here for one issue, like maybe every like six months or so. Yeah. And you know, I, I made the joke about uh, about the revealing nature of, of some of the outfits or lack thereof in the beginning of the book. I actually am very made very uncomfortable by that in this book. I feel like, uh, sorry to be the prude here, guys, but I just feel like it's... Um, it's sexualizing a truly mentally ill person, and I I, I don't think that's very cool. Um, yeah, I mean, there's something about there's there's something about Mary. Uh, Good movie. Yes. Yep. Just there's something about Harambe. <laughs> um, I'll make a Jonathan Richmond song parody for that for <laughs> next time we talk. <laughs> no, but. Uh, uh, to be fair, something... Jonathan Richmond's drummer was shot in that movie, much like Harambe. There you go. There's Tommy Larkins. I never needed to know. Uh, you never saw there's... something about Mary? No, I said there's something I never needed to know. That he was shot in the movie? Well, I didn't, re- I didn't know it's, who it was. It's part of the movie. I didn't know who that was. It's Tommy Larkins. Okay. <laughs> Save it for the music cast. Yeah, that's true. Sorry, yes. Um, top three musicians that were shot in the movie um okay no what was i saying oh uh, uh, yes i am would johnny depp count because he's in the hollywood vampires jesus christ (laughs) sorry go ahead i'm normally very sympathetic to what what you're saying and i'm not i don't want to discount that either Mm -hmm. i just my approach to these books is that it's so it's been so consistent over what uh and connor have done that I just see it all as a an aspect of their comics that they make, that they make in this little corner of DC that they're allowed to do, where the cheesecake is just something they do. And to me, it's removed from, you know, it's not Frank Cho drawing Wonder Woman's panties in a, in a variant cover, you know? Um, to me, it's it's just it's an aspect of Paul, of Palmiotti and Connor that you go with, you know. But I, I you know, that's not discounting your feeling, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I get your feelings. Yeah. I just think they're so consistent with it that it's like, well, this is what this is what you get from them, and and they're having fun with it, and I think, I don't know, I don't. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine for a second if this issue was written by Scott Lubdell, okay? And there was yeah. a scene with the three what? of them 
in a hot tub together. I, I think that maybe the difference for me is like, kind of like Vince was saying, it's like who it's coming from. And like, maybe that's just me like giving unfair, an unfair pass, but it, it feels less like exploitive here. Then, yeah. you know, then like in say like um, Red Hood and the Outlaws with Starfire, you know, like, yeah, it, it seems like there's, different intent behind that and maybe that's again like i said giving this like an unfair pass but that's kind of just how i interpret it or or look at it i think i would feel less uneasy about it if there was a female artist drawing it sure i mean they did the same stuff when like emmanuel lupacino was drawing uh starfire you know yeah Mm -hmm. Well, and, and and I guess that's another thing, too, is, you know, there's not a female artist drawing it, but there's a female writer, and I feel like the art style is very influenced by that writer's art style as well. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, the I bought a print from from Amanda Connor at New York Comic Con, and it's that, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's the picture of Catwoman stealing... A, a necklace and then like Batman's silhouette is sticking his hand out like handed over mm-hmm. and the thing is is that she's got her like cleavage like massive cleavage hanging out and she's got the pearls between them you know like that's just Connor does that she does cheesecake you know and I feel like it, I feel like if that's a part of what her art is and that's a part of what her writing is um I'm not going to discount anybody that feels grossed out by it. I'm not going to argue with them at all. I'm just saying from my perspective, like that has been such a consistent artistic hallmark of her work um, that I think is done in a fun way rather than a sexualized way more often than not. And it's just the way that's just the way I like, it's almost like that damn, uh, quote about Congress and pornography or whatever, you know. Like you only I, know it when you see it. Yeah, like I know it when I see it. Like when I see something that they've done, far more often than not, am I do I just think it's fun and I'm not grossed out by it. Whereas like Red Hood and the Outlaws, I was patently grossed out about it because of how much that first issue was about see, sexualizing. See, I just feel like you know, it's not until. The last panel, I'm sorry, it's not until the third page that you see a female character not in some state of undress. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And you know, like when when Harley and uh, Ivy are getting their massages, like there's, you know, there's enough side boob to stop a car. Like it's just, it's it's really, you know, and with, with Power Girl, I actually did a double take and was like, did they draw nipples on Power Girl? Like, I actually, I'm not sure that that's Power Girl. They the mention comic. Power Girl later in the comic. Yeah, they do later in the comic, but I don't. I don't think she's. I think the whole first sequence is just Harley and Ivy. Okay, well, whoever it is, it, it just it, it it feels it feels gross to me. But I, I respect that it doesn't for everybody, and it's not a judgment on on, uh, on anyone yeah. else's opinion. It's just I, it's not my particular cup of tea. There, there needs to be a book though where, where like three male characters just have their like bulges out all the time. I mean, that that, that was kind of Grayson for a while. Yeah, even more than that. Though. Yeah, like I even agree. more over the top. 
Yeah, and not and I will not accept it if it's the Apollo and Midnighter books. That book should be something <laughs> other than that. It should be it should be totally it should be three straight guy three straight superheroes just hanging out in banana hammocks, just you know, <laughs> just shooting the shit. Just who, like who, the just like the DC three. Who would they be, Zach? Is that what you're gonna yeah, say? Who they, yeah, who would they be? Uh, Hal Jordan. Okay. Hal what, Jordan. what if he's the Hal John and Guy? Sure. That should yeah. be yeah. There you go. Yeah, they're on some swimming pool on some bizarre on some foreign planet, <laughs> and uh, you know everyone's staring at them, and they're just like you know they're just they're cool with who they are. Yeah. yeah. What's everybody looking at? Exactly. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that does it for the new books this week. Let's just quickly review other Rebirth books. We'll go in alphabetical order. We got Aquaman number four, Dan Abnett, Philippe Briones. Is it Philippe? It's his first name, right? I believe so. Uh, I feel like I got that wrong now. I'm saying it, but... Philip Bryans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Philip Briones. Uh, I thought this was another good issue of Aquaman. Yeah, me too. I really like where this is going. Yeah, it's really cementing itself as a an extremely well written and um, and nuanced is never the right word for Cape Comics, but you know, balanced take on the character, compelling, yeah. and I think it's fairly compelling. Yeah, you know, you, you you there is good drama here, and you want to know what's going to happen next. Yeah, indeed. I want more Brad Walker. I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think it's, yeah, Brionis is good. And I think, I think it, it's maintaining its consistency nicely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Batman number four. Written Bad. By... <laughs> oh, man, this is a book. Batman number four. Uh, Homer this, Batman. Brian, Brian, this is worse to me than that first issue was. Oh, see, this is much better to me than that first issue oh, was. Oh, God. Don't get me wrong; it's still a steaming pile of garbage. But uh, but let me see that this this uh, this credit written by Tom King, illustrated by David Finch. Um, yeah, I really, I mean, this issue was not great, but I feel like there was at least some character motivation in here. Oh, I disagree. I think every, I think, I think this issue sent everything so all over the place. Oh yeah, there, there's like. I, I get what you're saying. There There's something that's masquerading as character development or character moments. But if you, I mean, you can tell me I'm wrong, but if you read that issue again, like... Do I have to? No, no, you don't. <laughs> but, but, like, I feel like everything that happens in that comic is a is a commentary on Batman that Tom King is trying to find a new angle to, you know, Batman has been done for 75 years. He's the most like analyzed character in DC comics. Like every new story is an analysis of what Batman means. You know, Scott Snyder did that to death and he did a really good job with it. But, but that's all, that's what his run was about. Tom King is trying to find avenues to who Batman is. And I feel like none of them are coherent. Some of them seem to conflict with one another. Like, and, and, and 
and taking the, these new characters who have not been effectively established, who there is dubious reasons for having them being the focal point of this opening arc to begin with, having them be exactly like Kryptonians, but getting their powers from some overseas thing and coming to fuck up Gotham and then having them turn on a dime because of this thing that happens off panel. I'm, I'm four issues in and I'm like, why are, why are these characters here? Why are we going this way? This doesn't tell me anything about Batman, even though he's trying to tell me it does. Well, to me, this had, and I've seen this online. So I, I, I had this, I actually read this issue on Monday when I got it in the mail and I had this thought before I saw somebody else say it, but this has both. This is the most Batman as Superman issue ever because we have that issue. We have that scene of the guy trying to kill himself and Gotham tries to talk him out of it. Oh, yeah, the All Star Superman. The All-Star, yeah, and then we yeah. have Gotham also snapping somebody's neck uh-huh. like Man of Steel Superman. Sure. Um, and it's just, it's. It's so heavy-handed. Everything about this book is so... There's no nuance here whatsoever. Well, I want to... Like, what's the point of, like, hearkening to the All-Star Superman scene only for it to, like... I I get why... I get why he did it. But I kind of hate that he did it. I totally hate (laughs) that he did it. It's because dumb. it just like it undermines that, you know. It it it, uh, it yes, it it's cheapens a bad, it. It's a bad yeah. take on one of the best moments in a DC comic ever. I, yeah, I was, gonna, I was gonna say just Superman moments or whatever. I would but... say the best in like a comic. Honestly, yeah. it's you know, period, yeah. and you know, and like, <sighs> yeah. I mean, like, like that's the that. That's the perfect example of someone trying to be way too clever. You know? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like Yeah, everyone's going to get it and you didn't you didn't make a point with it, you know? It's 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 oh man. I don't I I don't want to be mad at Tom King, you guys. I don't, I don't care, but yeah, like this is garbage comics, I'm sorry. It's oh, just Oh man, got and, it. And yeah. You've got Duke like like rubbing up on Gotham Girl. Gotham Girl, like, <laughs> like, like that scene wouldn't be horrible, except that Duke has done nothing. He he still hasn't done anything except hit on a vulnerable Gotham Girl, and actually he didn't he didn't like overtly hit on her. He was kind of just like you know oh you know like getting real horny under the yeah. surface. <laughs> But, like, again, four issues in, five issues, including the Rebirth, and this is the extent of what Duke is there for? Yeah. And then there are a couple of Bruce moments that were so comically over-the-top Batman, like when he straps on wings and blows up the Batmobile. (laughs) Okay, I loved that. I loved that. And I loved the scene in the bunker. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Where he was just behind Lane and then smashes his face into a wall. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, like that's the kind of like over the top parody. Like where if that <laughs> book was, if this book was that, minus the like all the other stuff, sure. I would kind of love this book. But here's the thing: I don't think that Tom King finds those things funny. 
I think both of those were written to be serious scenes. Oh, man. Like, I, I think we're supposed to go, cool, Batman doesn't care about his personal property. <laughs> I <laughs> not. Good God. How about... How, so, like, we've seen some doozy detective work from Batman before. <laughs> how about somebody <laughs> who perfectly kills the right soldiers to make a dog tag that adds up to the letter X for Task Force X? Like, did they gather the soldiers from, like, all over and make sure that the numbers were just perfect? Like, what? How absurd was that? You know, well, you know what that reminded me of? I'm sorry, Zach. I'll let you go in a second. Oh, you're fine. I just read that, and I shed a single tear, and I said the Clue Master's Code. <laughs> Remember how great that issue of Grayson was? Yeah. And, like, Tom King can do that. Yeah. He can do really interesting detective work. Not I added up the dog tags, and it's... You know what that was? Actually, this is perfect. Fuck, this is perfect. <laughs> how he figured out... The, te- the Amanda Waller thing is how Adam West would have figured it out on the Batman sixty six show, <laughs> like you know. Um, so uh, what is what is the thing in the Batman sixty six movies like? Um, and they live in the sea, sea for Catwoman, like a totally bullshit connection that the writers just threw in there. That is what this book ju- just was. This if, is if Adam West logic. If at the end of this, this is all one big parody of every aspect of Batman, and he stuck with it for. You know, twenty-two issues. Yeah, twenty-two issues at least. You know, or however long he intends on going. And at the end, he reveals like, yeah, I wanted to basically show you every absurd aspect of Batman and cram them all together in one horrible comic. So, so I I want it to be an inelegant Grant Morrison. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Right. Right. What if Grant Morrison didn't have a point? You know, (laughs) like I, I would respect. Stop Stop. Stop giving me hope. My answer, my answer to what if Grant Morrison didn't have a point used to be Mark Millar, but I guess that's the new answer can be Tom King. So, oh no, I. Uh... That's what if Mark Millar is what if Mark Millar didn't have Grant Morrison? <laughs> that's true. Uh, oh. I'm sorry, Zach. What were you gonna say? Yeah. I don't remember. Oh, the whole like the 27 thing, which like. Oh, the twenty seventh person or whatever. Yeah, well, it, the, well, that whole sequence I thought was like so hard to follow. <laughs> this book reads like Batman Odyssey. <laughs> oh god! Can I can I say like this is probably the best David Finch has ever been? <laughs> Thank you, Zach, for being positive. Like I look at some of this stuff and I'm like. Like, the scene with um, the, like, flashback scene where it shows, like, you know, zero year, year villains, all that stuff. Like, I look at that page. That was a great page. I, I see that, and I'm like, that almost is, like, that's very, like, Capullo-esque to me, in a way. Um, yeah, that looked better than anything he's done since the New 52, at least. Yeah, yeah. and, I, you know, so, hey, look for that, like, one positive thing. Yeah. So now, again, I'm totally not the person who this bothers, but isn't it hilarious how different Amanda Waller looks in two books from this week? Oh my goodness. Like, it's like, not yeah. even close. Yeah. Uh, and all, oh, yeah. I mean, her, 
appearance here is at least like a far cry from where it was in like Suicide Squad New Fifty Two, where she was wearing a bikini essentially. Yeah, yeah, like this is closer to what we see in Suicide Squad than what that was, you know? Yeah. But but it's yeah, still wildly different. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean the yeah. Oh man, this book. Yeah. I I oh I hate the Gotham character. Yeah. Oh my god, what a, I get like, mad. What a oh. waste of a character. What yep. a what a oh. Horrible waste. And you know what? They're gonna like get rid of him or make or like kill him off or something, and then Gotham Girl's gonna hang around and be uh Duke's girlfriend. And then that's going to be like the extent of his character too. And I'm just going to be pissed off forever. What if that, um that this what book if they, better. What if the next arc involves Gotham um dying and his energy <laughs> comes out and goes into Duke and he becomes the new Gotham. Oh there god. Go. I'll be so I'll 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 be mad. Yeah. What if, as part of these experiments, Gotham becomes Doctor Manhattan? All of my conspiracy <laughs> theories do have to deal with Watchmen. Well, at one point, didn't we believe they were Night Owl and Silk Spectre? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, you you know it's bad when I so wish it was Silk Spectre. Yeah, right. Instead, it's Hank and what's her name, Clover. Yeah, Clover. <laughs> Maybe he's a big Tommy James and the Chantels fan as a Crimson and Clover reference. Crimson, yeah. Over and over. Yep. We're giving this book too much time. We are. Green Arrow number four, Ben Percy, Juan Ferreira. Uh, I like the art. This was. Yeah, I like Juan Ferreira's art. I think that there were some okay things in here. Um, I, I kind of don't understand. (laughs) <laughs> the Diggle Ollie relationship. Since what happened there? I don't know. I, I don't know. He loved her. I know he, he did loved love her. her. He really loved her a lot. And then, I thought Fife died. Did he not die? I, someone else died. Yeah, I don't know. There, there's this one page like halfway through where they're arguing, and uh, Ollie apologizes to Diggle, uh-huh. and then they do this like bro handshake with these yeah. huge goofy smiles. It just seems so out of character, but. Um, the the art's good, the story's still a little bit suspect, but I'm I I'm okay reading a couple of not great comics if they're fun. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a lot going on here. There's some fun yeah. stuff here. Yeah, this, this book is great when it's when it skews further away from the TV show. Yeah, and any time that it harkens to the the CW's Arrow, uh. It's clearly the 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 weak point in the book. I will say this: if they have Ollie doing a double salmon ladder to work out, I'll be cool with that because <laughs> that totally happened in season one of Arrow. Yeah, yes, it did. So, no, it's fine. This book is fine. Uh, my opinion on it hasn't changed much. No. Mm. Oh, well, <laughs> we flew past that one after that. Uh, Batman tangent. Well, um, well, we're at the Green Lanterns now, so we can go on another tangent. No, I don't have anything to say about this either. <laughs> okay. uh, Green it Lanterns. 
Okay, that's number, f- number four, written by Sam Humphreys, illustrated by Ed Bennis, Robson Roca, and Tom Derenick. Because, of course, you need three pencilers for this issue. Of course. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven inkers. Woo! Sorry, only as six you, inkers. Six inkers. As you do. Yeah. Um, to me, this was no better or worse than any of the other issues. Uh, it was definitely better than the last issue. Well, you, you, yeah, you the last issue was garbage. That's yeah. true. Okay, it's definitely better than number three, but still not good. Can can I say though? I I liked how the issue ended. Yes. Like if if that's the way that they're gonna sell me like real development of these characters, I can I can be on board with that. It's just a shame that the that the book is not gonna be that great. The book is not going to be good enough to like see whether these characters are going to develop, you know? Right. But I did like where this issue left them and their relationship. Um, I never thought I would say this, but I was I was praying, and I'm not a praying man, that uh, DC Rebirth would be more humorous uh, going forward. Yeah, and Green Lanterns delivers that. It's too much. It's actually trying to be too. You know, like what at one point Simon says, "What's that like dumb thing?" Yeah, Simon says something really cheesy. Like Jessica says, "Wow, that's really cheesy." And he's like, "That passes for high humor in my household." Yeah, exactly. Like I feel like there's too much of that shit though. I really like the Guardian character. The past yes. few yes. issues, he's been he, he great comic relief. Yeah. Best. Yep. He's can he get his own book? <laughs> he reminds me of um Frankenstein's monster in the Monster Squad, if you guys are uh down with the Monster Squad. He reminds me of Yogurt from Spaceballs. Uh Guardian's the flamethrower. <laughs> Kids love it. Kids, kids love that one. Um, Merchandising. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, damn, man. That's how, I feel. That's how I feel about this book. Was that your Pizza the Hut? No, it's just my my giving up on this. It's not good. I'm, pu- I'm pulping it still. Uh-huh. But, yeah. like, the, the one thing I will say for it is that, like, I spent three issues just hating the way Simon was written and it sort of maybe kind of came around a little bit at the end. He's not as giant of a dick in this <laughs> issue as he was in prior issues. Well, and he actually like you actually get the sense that he learned something and he learned something through actual stuff that was happening to both him and Jessica, you know, like Yeah. It was actually a fairly well done turnaround. It was just so poorly written on the way there that, I mean, ultimately it's not a great book to me. But I, I did like, I, I thought it came around a bit. That's faint praise. Yeah, I won't disagree with that. Zach, anything to add about your favorite book? No. <laughs> okay. Don't sully my good name like that. <laughs> Hal Jordan's back next week, so... Yeah. Yeah, guys. The good Green Lantern book. Yeah. The okay Green Lantern <laughs> book. Good. 
Yeah, calling it good's a bit of a stretch. Well, I know, I know. I corrected myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But when you're dealing in relatives, you know, like that's true. These are hard times. It's bad, guys. Yeah. Well, that brings us to Justice League number two. I think uh, this is actually the best Green Lantern book. I, I won't disagree <laughs> with that. Yep. Uh, written by Brian Hitch, illustrated by Tony Daniel. Speaking of artists, I'm not a huge fan of doing some nice work. Tony Daniel was pretty good this week. This week. Mm-hmm. I liked a lot of this. Yeah, I, I like this issue. I think the story is impossibly generic. Oh, of course it is. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'll echo what you guys are saying. I mean, there's still there's still little moments with with character here and there that I really like, and I like that. I like that. Uh, uh, the writers haven't forgotten about Cyborg. Yeah. He, he's actually, like, one of the more prominent characters in this damn thing, um, which is nice to see. Yeah. I, I'm not over the moon about this book, but but I'll, I'll gladly check it out next to something like, like Green Lanterns. Mm-hmm. To me, this book feels more like a Justice League book than any point in the New 52 the main Justice League book felt like it. Yes. Even just the way they talk about it, I, I, I kind of liked them talking about Superman like as him. Like, you know, I'm going to go get him. Like, it just, it felt very natural. I don't know. It just, it, the characters felt like they were who they should be. Like, this is the polar opposite of reading Harley Quinn and Suicide Squad versus reading her in her own book. I feel like everybody sounded as you'd expect them to sound. In this book, mm-hmm. I know who'd have thought Hitch had it in him. I certainly did not. But but yeah, I'm I'm enjoying this book. I really liked um, Aquaman's like little crystal animal collection. Yep. <laughs> I wonder like if like those just came out of like the the Atlantean version of like Hallmark or something. <laughs> They're the precious moments. Yeah. <laughs> of uh, <laughs> of Atlantis. Um, but yeah, that was, um, some fun stuff, I guess. It's the same. It's, uh, you know. No, I, I like this book. I think I feel pretty comfortable at this point saying like, yeah. And you know, it's funny because like, I never, I, I honestly kind of think like I'm, maybe like this better than like the John's Justice League, which I never Well oh, I do to say, you know? I absolutely do. Yeah. I get it, it's it's not the best book I read this week, but it certainly ain't the worst. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh is, is Nightwing number two the best book you read this week? Uh, it's a tie between the last two here, I think. Uh um, I'm not sure. We'll see. Uh, Nightwing number two, written by Tim Seeley, illustrated by Javi Fernandez. Um, there is some really good shit in this issue, guys. Oh, man, I've... that last page, those last two pages, just my heart sank. Oh, absolutely. Gosh, I hated that. I will ship for Dick and Barbara forever. Forever. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm more of a Bruce and Barbara guy. Stop. Uh, just stop. Get out right now. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Brian Azarello. He can call me a pussy next. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I know 
delicate time. Yeah. No, <laughs> this is a really good book. It's yeah. a really good book. Yeah. Oh man. Man, Tim Seeley so so densely packs his comics. Yeah. With just tons of good shit. I mean, Dick's inner monologue is so great at points in this issue. This, that's, yes, I'm glad you said that. This book says more about Batman than <laughs> Batman does than Tom King thinks that his Batman does. Yeah. Like, just the stuff that Dick says about himself in relation to Batman and how Batman feels about him versus, you know, him working for the Court of Owls versus Damien, you know, like, all of this stuff informs Batman's character from a slightly different angle than we've maybe seen before. Um, and it's so tightly done. I also like how the title of the arc is both a play on what, um, what's the, what's the guy's name? Raptor. What Raptor Raptor thinks he is. And also the idea that Dick can be better than Batman, that he can be Batman without the baggage. Yeah. You know, it's it's good. This is such a good comic, guys. Oh, and the art. Can we talk about how good the art is? It's really good. Where is where has Javi Fernandez been all my life? I don't know. The last thing I remember him being I think he did that outsider flashpoint series with James Robinson. I'm pretty sure that was him. I oh, need to maybe. I need to double check. Which I wasn't that crazy about. No, um, all those flashpoint minis were but, but yeah, his stuff here is just. This is so good. Yeah. This is next level shit. Yeah, that was that was Javi Fernandez. Yeah. Huh. Cool. So, but yeah, his stuff here, it's just so good. Oh, I love man. I love how fluid. I mean, like, I feel like DC's done a very good job of picking. Uh, Nightwing slash Grayson artists. Yep, that that will draw him in motion very well. You know, it's kind of the Spider-Man thing. Like, you got to pick the artists that are going to draw Spider-Man swinging the best. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like they always do that for Dick too. You know, and and Fernandez is no exception. I mean, he's one of the best that I've seen. I think. At, I also at, at capturing that. Yeah, I also feel like this team is just like doing a great job of making the court of owls interesting again. Yes. Um, I, I thought there was a heartbreaking scene when they're on the boat and the little girl says like superhero help me or whatever mm-hmm. she says. Like, and you just see and, and Raptor calls him on it later was like in that moment you wanted to just break those kids out of there and help them. Cause of course Dick does. Cause Dick's actually a hero. Dick is Dick is way more of a hero than Bruce is. Bruce, in some ways, still dealing with his own shit, and Dick just isn't. Yeah. Oh, man, I love yeah. this book. It's this great. is this is this may be the best book in Rebirth. I think for me personally. Yeah. I, I I would have said Superman until this week. <laughs> me too. Same, which I'm sure we're about to get into. Yeah, uh, to me, uh, my my top four or five remains the same as last week. You know, it's it's the top four are pretty well cemented. 
with Nightwing, Superman, Aquaman, and uh, the Flash. And everything else kind of falls behind that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put put Wonder Woman in there for me, and, and yeah, I feel the same way. Um, well, that brings us to Superman number four, written by uh, Patrick Gleason and Pete Tomasi, and illustrated by Gleason. Uh, you guys didn't like this issue too much. What the hell happened in it, Brian? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they fought the Eradicator a bunch of times. What? Yeah, no, 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 don't, don't, <laughs> okay. you're not getting off easy. This this issue is all the things that I didn't like about last issue, minus the good parts of last issue that you <laughs> turned me around on. Like, this is just weirdness. Just weird superhero nonsense. I mean, look, there 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 is a lot of super babble here. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny that. But to me, this just this is building a world for Superman that we haven't had since the New Fifty Two began. Yeah. I, I, are are we just, about to get new Krypton? That's what I'm wondering. I think that's the. I think we're there. I think the Eradicator is trying. Whether he gets there or not, it's a different story, I guess. But they're going to the moon. They are going to the moon. I kind of love that. I just think it like if that's where this is going, which I kind of thought that too. I'm all for that. I just think this was so clunkily executed. This particular issue, like. I don't think it was very elegant at all the way that it played out. No. And that's, I'm, I don't like, I will, I never say that about Patrick Leeson. You know, this is, this is a 0.1% of a, of a exception for him, you know, because normally he nails all of this, but I don't know whether the plotting just wasn't, I mean, I don't know, dropping down to that diner and having like, the rednecks from Superman two or whatever <laughs> commenting about this. Funny. I've never seen trash eat trash before. Or is it yeah. gar- garbage? It's garbage. Eat- garbage. 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 Yeah. There garbage. Goes, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, oh, but, uh, one of them is Bibbo though. Don't knock Bibbo. <laughs> I just like, I just thought that was such a, it really killed the momentum that, that this arc had been, driving towards well i actually think that the that the rednecks from superman 2 serve an important purpose in the story okay uh i think that for you know we sometimes forget that we are not the inhabitants of this world and so we don't remember when superman was good like the new 52 superman is the only superman that these people knew and so they're going to be sad when he's gone and i think that an important step in this book is to not make it five years of people being mistrustful of him. I think you have to show the public being won over by this new Superman and saying, okay, even if he's not my Superman, he's still Superman. And I feel like having those guys won over by him is, is an important step in the long-term development of the story. I just don't think it was well done though. Like, yeah, I, I thought it was a really confusing issue. I don't know. I mean, I'm still regarding this this comic as uh, one of my favorite Rebirth comics, but but this issue just really like it lost me in the middle. Um, 
it just it came to like a screeching halt for me. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. It didn't so much for me, but it did to a certain degree. Um. Yeah. Hashtag. Where's crypto? Yeah. <laughs> that better they, be how this ends. They mentioned him too. They did. Yeah. New New Krypton is going to be in crypto's belly. He's going to have to poop it out. What if all this takes place in Crypto's mind? Oh, God. World of New Crypto. <laughs> Just like The Simpsons is all a dream that Homer is having. I hate that theory. <laughs> I hate any theory that can just be any... It's just a dream in so-and-so's mind. Yeah. It's not any more complicated than that. Anywho... So, so it doesn't. Again, it doesn't change like how I feel about Superman, the title. Right. Like I'm still pulling this. I'm still excited for it. But, oof, not not as elegant as those first three like perfect issues. Yeah. For me. I wonder if this is one of those issues that will read much better in trade. I bet it will. Yeah. I'm uh. I'm wondering how much longer these first arcs are going to last. I want to say they all wrap up in September. Because even with this like double shipping, I feel like... Or I guess because of this double shipping, <laughs> I feel like things are stretching out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, folks, that just about does it for uh, for us for this week. Um, are we going to be all seeing Suicide Squad before next week? I doubt it. I will probably see it, yeah. Okay. Vince, you have a day off tomorrow. How better to spend your day than going to four showings of Suicide Squad in a row? Do you, do you, <laughs> do you, uh, do you want me to see it just for the sake of the show? I mean... I can- I can do that for you. I, I wouldn't want you to have to do that. If, if you don't want to see it, I don't care. But I do want to talk about it next week. So either see it or don't so, care. We talk so, about it. So see it is what you're saying. No, because you you could totally be the outsider who doesn't give a shit. But don't don't get mad at us for spoiling it, baby. I'm the spoilers reader. I know you are. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm just looking forward to new Superman again next week. Um, so I control you guys once again for being wrong. Mm. <laughs> who trolls? Who trolls the troller in that situation? The comedian, of course. That's, that's the answer star, to all of this. Star, star of Rob Williams' Suicide Squad, the comedian. Oh man, Eddie, Eddie Blake. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, Zach is gonna totally be right. Yeah. Uh, one thing we should pause. We should maybe mention is that uh, writer of some of the Before Watchmen books, writer of Superman Grounded, writer of the Superman Earth One series, J. Michael Straczynski, is quitting comics. Good night, everybody! Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. I really don't care, but, you know. <laughs> he was he was a, a major presence at DC for a while. And Marvel. Yeah. But when this I was a presence, presence, period, yeah. I don't want to like drag him out and spank his ass in the street, you know. But like, when I when I'm just gonna say, when I was growing up, when I was like in my infant period of reading comics, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
he was like the guy that he would come out with a new book or like a new arc of something or a new run, you know? And I'd be like, oh man, he's a big deal. And I'd read it and I'd, I'd feel like I'd love like the first two or three issues. And then he would run it so hard off the rails. Like those first couple issues of Spider-Man are legitimately intriguing. And then it just gets wacky and shitty. And I feel like his, I know his Thor is like pretty well regarded, but I felt the same way. Like after the first arc of that, I felt the same way. Um, basically everything he did, like it got me excited. And then, I, and then I remembered why I didn't really like any of his stuff. That's fair. Um, I don't know. How do you, how do you guys feel about Straczynski? I've never read anything from him that I particularly liked, I guess. He's a big wet fart. Yeah, he he was always just kind of someone I was told that I should like. Sure. Yeah. Didn't he write like the 10 out of 10 issue of The Brave and the Bull? He did. He did. (laughs) That's actually probably my favorite JMS comic. Well, there you go. And I, and I love that comic more for making fun of Malakoff about it right. than I do actually love it. It's, it's not a bad comic, but, you know. 10 out of 10, and the costumes weren't even that great. And the costumes were subpar at best, and it's still managed a 10 out of 10. So there's our streak. Keeping it going. <laughs> Every week. Uh, all right. All right. Well. Speaking, of, speaking of wet farts, follow me on Twitter at BJ_OSKI. <laughs> and follow me at Brian is an app. And I'm Sir Fox 89 And uh, thanks for joining us this week. We'll be back next week with another DC3 cast. Everybody go out, take your medicine, get rid of your Suicide Squad fever. Oh, he's so twisted. <laughs> <laughs>